Hey everybody, this is Lori Ference. Welcome to Leaders Call to Adventure, the show for those that take the road less traveled. Today I'm doing something a little different. Until now, all of the episodes have featured conversations that I've had with people that have taken the road less traveled. And while I talk about my own journey on my website, I haven't really taken the opportunity, well, besides the, the one episode where I talked to Tamara Fleming about my 100 mile race last year, I haven't really taken the opportunity to say much about my path. <laughs> and so I just thought it was appropriate timing. As I'd mentioned in a blog post a couple months ago, I was having a break, I guess, with the podcast. Several months had gone by and I hadn't interviewed anybody. And it wasn't that I was feeling, well, I think in the blog post I said I was feeling uninspired. That might have been it, but I think it was in the process. Now, you know, hindsight is 2020, of course. I think it was in the process of really tuning into what I wanted to do with the podcast. And while there is a model out there of, you know, focusing on a certain market and then having a profile of a guest you want to interview and creating a schedule of regular publishing, that all sounds great and it works really well for some. But for me, I felt I really needed to tune into what I wanted to do and my inner guidance, uh, my inner compass, following my curiosity and reaching out to those that I felt compelled to ask to be on the show for whatever reason, whether I was curious about something, whether uh, through coincidence, like in the case with Slade, where I was listening to one of his episodes and was considering, well, I'd really like to interview somebody. I wonder who that person should be. And then he said that he was up for interviews. So I jumped on that opportunity because Slade is super interesting. I followed his work for a while. And although maybe it occurred to me to interview him, I hadn't put the two and two together to actually clearly ask him or I don't think that's it. No, it's not that I didn't put the two and two together to clearly ask him. I knew I wanted to interview him and the timing hadn't shown up yet. So I didn't have that clear sort of directive, the inner directive to reach out and say, Hey, uh, would you like to be a guest on the podcast? And well, he opened the door. He said he was looking for that opportunity and I'd already known that I wanted to talk to him, had been conversing with him on other things for a while. And I'm really super glad that I did. I will link to those episodes in the show notes. So if you haven't heard them, you can check them out. They're really good. And the Frankenstein approach to career creation is one of my most popular podcasts. So I'm really happy I did that. From speaking to Slade and listening to his podcast, I then, well, again, received the inner directive. My curiosity led me to asking Frank Butterfield to be on the show. And uh, yet again, <laughs> his episode is also at the top of the charts. So it's one of my favorites. Um, you know, I love, I love all the guests that I talk to, but uh, 
I think what made that different for me is that I was really mulling something over in my, my own mind regarding the process of manifestation. And when Slade spoke to Frank on his show and Frank came out, came out with his message, you know, about not trying to manipulate the universe, I was on the road of trying to figure out what he meant by that specifically. And the episode uh, that I released called uh, Everything is Always Working Out is an answer to that. Now, I have had further ponderings on that (laughs) since then. And still in the process, I think, of working it out for myself. But I think that... Now, I know that similar to the hiatus that I had of several months of not feeling inspired or nobody obvious coming to interview to me, and that's not to say there's not a lot of wonderful people out there that perfectly fit the profile for the show, but I realized I have to feel that passionate connection. So know that whomever I'm talking to on this podcast comes from that place for me. I don't have the need to fill a schedule and tuning in and honoring that creative part of me is important for me. And that's not dissing or dismissing anybody else that does a podcast out there and works according to a schedule and that works well for them because they may feel impassionate connection to that approach and that's why it does work for them but know that while we are often taught there are standard ways of doing things out there and best practices and while that can be true in a lot of scenarios we also have to honor what we know to be true for ourselves because we are all our own unique individual expression. And I dare to say there are no absolutes. (laughs) Sure, there are universal laws and we bring our own set of energies, intentions, aptitudes, and abilities into that so that ultimately the expression is going to be unique and different for each of us. And it's a matter of how willing we are to go into the mystery of all that and to develop a deep inner trust. Lately, I have been Well, the question about my target market was posed to me. And I've been putting some thought into that, reflecting on that. Thinking about what Frank mentioned in our conversation about how he doesn't... Well, and I don't want to really paraphrase what he said, but the essence of what I got out of what he said was that he creates his work. It flows through him. And... He finds that when uh, 
he gets concerned about who's going to join in or subscribe to one of his courses or that sort of thing that it just doesn't work very well for him. So in other words, about getting too specific about attracting a certain group of people. Now, that to me is about target market. <laughs> so, and and of course, a lot of marketing uh, people, you know, they're adept with social media, would say that target market is the way to go. And I recently liked a video that I saw, uh, which basically is about celebrating your uniqueness and not being afraid to be really specific with the type of person that you serve. I felt a resonance and affinity with that. And again, I'm going to link to that one in the show notes, but just know that that came across my radar. And shortly thereafter, the question about target market, well, of course, because I'm pursuing that question, <laughs> because it's all about that. And how does that line up exactly with what Frank talked about? So, do we envision who we think might be the people that we're serving or do we just do what we do and whomever is attracted to that will come? I'm not sure. Maybe it's something I'd, well, I could pose to Frank and see how he, what he thinks about that. But since he's not here at the moment and that could be for a future show. We'll see <laughs> if he's game to discuss that. But I think it's a combination of two. I believe that we have an affinity with a type of person um, that would be an ideal client for us. Or in the case of this podcast, the ideal listener. And in order for me to even write up what the podcast is about and who might be interested in it, I had to create a catch basin for that and describe the podcast and say, you know, who the target market is. Ultimately, and I don't know if there is any ultimate, there probably isn't. There's an ultimate in the moment and things evolve and that's the way the universe is. We are constantly learning and growing and changing our beliefs and then having a different experience and well, and then sort of seeing if, if that feels right for us or if it's created something for us to deselect from our experience, <laughs> if we can. And in general, that deselection process is about asking oneself, well, how am I not in alignment with what I really want? And what might I be resisting so that it's not coming to me? Because let's face it, there's a lot of non-spiritually inclined people out there who things just seem to work out for. So because that's true, we can't assume that, you know, there's absolutes in terms of models of manifestation because people aren't, some people don't even think about manifestation. They simply have a clear path or something that seems clear to them and they go for it and it works out. And others, well, that path is not so obvious. Or 
it's only obvious in chunks at a time. Now, I'd say I'm one of those people. So about my own road less traveled. Part of this intention today was to talk about people that are in the corporate world or in jobs or professions and don't feel, well, they might be enjoying aspects of them. And I know I did, absolutely, uh, because I started off my career in investment banking. I worked for one of the major Canadian banks. And while there were a lot of things that didn't feel so good to me in that environment, particularly for women in the mid-90s, actually early 90s, uh, I think I would hope, and I, and I do believe that women uh, are more able to be who they are uh, in terms of not having to be more manlike in order to do well in that environment. Uh, but back then, while having a more masculine energy, uh, in terms of I can do this, I got this, I'm loud, I'm decisive. Those self, those types of things, they worked for me. At the same time, they worked better for my male colleagues. So that even though I performed better um, than some of them, I wouldn't necessarily get the same opportunities. Now, I do believe that everything happens for a reason and that we are to harvest the best out of every circumstance we find ourselves in. I know that my heart was broken a few times in that environment as I'd gone for certain opportunities, did my very, very best, rose to the top in the training program, and then was shuffled off into a position that I probably could have done if I hadn't bothered doing all that training. So I do feel that that was part of my spiritual path in developing humility and that sometimes when things don't go as well as we would like for ourselves, that we have the opportunity to, yeah, keep our egos in check and really get open to what's happening around us. So while I ended up on a desk within the trading room that didn't feel very challenging to me, uh, it was a much slower pace. I didn't have to put all my skills and knowledge to use that I'd gained working in New York and trading millions of dollars on various desks. While I didn't have to do that, I could take a step back and just be present and be present with the people that weren't working super duper hard to stand out and prove themselves above everybody else. <laughs> and I'm not sure if, if that's an accurate assumption. I just know that on some of the other desks that there was a lot of bravado. Let's just put it that way. And about me kind of business. Yeah. Um, being the star and being the big deal maker and I guess being better than other people? <laughs> Dare I say that? I don't know. Is there a humility? There was a humility for me anyway on the desk that I did end up on as my first assignment. 
after I had completed that two-year training, which for most people was a few months or maybe a year. I don't regret that training. I think it gave me a tremendous amount of knowledge in world financial markets and ultimately as a person on a spiritual journey since childhood, spiritual knowledge and insight about how we create our reality. In particular, how what we believe to be true as a collective manifests and could see that on a daily basis in the financial markets. Landing on the desk that wasn't as challenging gave me some time to reflect, become more humble and open up my heart. I thought I was going on this sort of straight path, climbing up the ladder, um, was going to get one of the prime sort of best positions. I had been on an assignment in New York and while I was, uh, I did well on the on the desk that I was on, I didn't take the opportunity to go to the manager of the New York office and say, hey, um, I'm interested in staying here. Could I stay and work on the desk? Because truth be told, I wanted to work on another desk. I was more interested in another area back in Toronto. And as it happened, that position was given to, to a guy. They did, they made the choice that they did. They offered it to him. And I don't necessarily think that was fair, but it doesn't really matter what I think. <laughs> it is what it is. It happened. And my heart, I guess, was broken over that. I was disappointed that I didn't get that job. I hadn't, you know, said to the New York manager that I wanted to stay there. So I was in a sort of limbo. And that job that I thought I wanted to do had gone and I didn't know what else would be the thing for me. And they kind of seemed to, my managers of the managers of the training program didn't seem to know what to do with me as there were no new positions opening up um, that required somebody that had all that training that I did. So, so what happened ultimately was that I was on one of the desks as kind of one of the last sort of places that I hadn't been on. And from my perspective, and I'm sure people, other people have their own, I did my very best. And I also took the opportunity to speak up on things. And a couple of guys on the desk, the veterans there who were the types that would want whoever was new there to be the coffee girl. While I was okay with, with, with being, a, you know, getting coffee or whatever, I was not okay with pretending that I knew less than I did. And to my detriment, that irked them. And they were on super, super vigilant lookout to, for any mistakes that I'd make so that they could complain about me. And I, you know, people make mistakes. But when you're under the microscope and you make a mistake, unfortunately, there are those that want to take advantage of that and put you in your place. Yeah. So as a result of that, the manager that I had of the training program pulled me aside one day. And if I could be 
the person that I am now, I would have handled this situation a lot differently than I did back then. But he essentially shamed me into how they'd had such high hopes for me and how I'd messed up and all this. Well, I was so shocked and surprised by that. I... I didn't know. I I really didn't know what to say. It caught me so off guard. I was, I knew that all that I had learned, the different environments that I'd been in and the skills that I acquired were valuable. But when this man who was known for not having the best people skills, no, let's just put it this way. He was mean. He was mean. He was not, yeah. I'm sure at some level he was a good guy somewhere in there, um, but he wasn't very nice to people and would often try to make show people up and make them feel like they're not worthy or whatever the heck that's all about. It's just some political game. But that day he decided that, you know, he was going to put me in my place, make me feel ashamed for who I was, make me feel like I had somehow embarrassed him by believing in me and giving me all these opportunities when all I did would make this mistake. And I'll tell you, it was not a big mistake. I don't even think that it cost any money. Uh, And later on, when I finally did leave the bank, I left because I really, well, I, I didn't get a bonus. And that year had made some personal sacrifices to be uh, on the night desk by myself. And now they believed in me enough to let all that responsibility fall in my lap to take over and basically handle the Asian market uh, single-handedly, they decided not to give me a bonus. And I was just told, well, you know, the bonuses weren't that, you know, there were no bonuses this year. And then I find out that one of the guys on the desk that I was working on had received a $10,000 bonus and had actually lost about a million dollars for the bank. So there wasn't a lot of equity there, I have to say. But being um, a young woman in my 20s and I guess very type A, very uh, driven to succeed, to do my best, and yet at the same time, not afraid to do things a little differently. Yeah, so back to that fateful day when I got shamed into my position. (laughs) I what I would have thought at the time was beneath me, blah, 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 ego stuff. I know. I ended up going on that desk and I just remember days of reading the Wall Street Journal and talking to my colleagues who were really interesting people who weren't necessarily looking to stand out and pluck the next job or um, become the head of a desk or weren't necessarily looking to climb the ladder. And although I felt hurt for the hand that I'd been dealt, and that's, you know, really, okay, the hand that I've been dealt, this is uh, reflecting on this sounds very, you know, victim consciousness. I, I, I understand that. But I opened myself to what the experience was there. And at the same time, I took a step back and after reflecting on, you know, this, this dude that had chained me, asked myself, is what he said to me, is it true? And I knew that it wasn't. And I knew that I wasn't a disappointment. I knew that the skills that I'd acquired meant something that were valuable. And not only that, 
I knew that I was valuable. And I knew that if I wanted to do something else within that environment, that I could. And I wasn't going to accept this dude's sort of assessment of me, which is you're this huge failure, you know, such a disappointment, and we're just going to put you here because that's all you can do. No. And that's not, I'm not trying to say that the people that chose to do that, that there's anything wrong with that. There wasn't. But I had other aspirations. And it, I got to the point where I, where I was not about to let this dude's opinion of me be more important to me than my own opinion of myself. I find it so interesting how that happens, that somehow we come to be challenged on what we know to be true about ourselves and can be put into doubt. Well, ultimately, it's not anybody putting us into anything. (laughs) It's an opportunity to stand in who we are and stand for ourselves, which fortunately I came around to. I do believe that going onto the desk that I was placed on after two years was for my own good in terms of, yeah, knocking my ego down a bit. (laughs) Not that I hadn't had enough of those sorts of things in my life, but a dose of humility was probably a good thing. Uh, And also the challenge to rise to accepting somebody else's sentence for my life versus what I wanted for myself. And as a result of all that, I made sure to ask for opportunities and to approach the people that I'd worked with on the desk that I really wanted to. And actually the guy that ended up being my boss on the decks that I got transferred to because I put myself up for that position was the person that I had worked with on the desk that I really wanted to go on to. And he had been made manager of another desk and knew uh, the quality of my work and gave me a chance. So it's interesting that, gosh, I don't know, is it a couple of years after that? Maybe, maybe a year. No, a couple of years because I was there for about four years. That that would be the same guy that would tell me, yeah, well, they're just not, you know, going to be a bonus this year. And who had also decided that um, the fellow who had lost the bank a bunch of money was getting a significant bonus. So I don't know. Things to ponder. What does this have to do with the podcast? Well, a lot of the people that I knew continued on that road. Some grew to be very successful, um, retired early, and uh, some are still at it. And that was not my path. I did make the difficult decision to resign after that issue about the bonuses came up and took, well, followed an opportunity that was just a glimpse of an opportunity. It was not, not a sure deal to go over to Switzerland and pursue a job there that a friend of mine had, well, it wasn't that he'd set up the job, it just that he'd introduced me to the fellow that was looking to hire somebody and highly recommended me. And I'd had the meeting with this fellow and the way that it works over there, that basically they have to prove that there's nobody else in the country that can do that job. So 
there's this whole work permit process. And while I was waiting for that work permit to go through, uh, because the guy in fact did want to hire me and offer me the job, he decided to leave that bank. And so I was left with somebody that didn't particularly care about me getting a work permit and ultimately did not get a work permit. So by then I had leased out my house in Toronto and sold a bunch of my stuff and was, well, quit my job. (laughs) And it just didn't feel like I wanted to go back to all that. Um, It just didn't feel like an option to go back. So I was going to stay there and I was going to go forward. And I spent six months over there and Switzerland is a very expensive place. It was a tough time. I was living with friends of a friend and then the more friends of a friend and, uh, you know, I guess basically feeling like I'm imposing on somebody and I didn't know what my status was and I didn't know, you know, um, I was in no position to go get an apartment. That was not even an option, but I didn't know how long. I'd have to stay with other people and my various attempts to put myself out there were not coming to fruition. And so I feel like, uh, I kind of got to the point where (laughs) after I was staying at the third friends of friends and had applied for a few jobs and met with different people in a pretty, pretty sad state of affairs, uh, coming to the end of my money, it was not easy. Definitely not easy. But like I said, I didn't feel like going back was an option or not an option that I wanted to entertain. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but I asked myself this, what changed in all that? I remember a book that I was reading during that time was a fiction book by Jane Smiley called A Thousand Acres. And sometimes I wonder if I should read that book again, just so I could decipher what what's going on with me at that time that maybe it'll help me to access the feeling state that I was in. I know I was sad. I knew I was depressed. I know that I felt I didn't have any options, but I knew I wasn't turning back. And one day out of the blue, the phone rang and it so happened that uh, a headhunter that I had approached in the early uh, months of my being there called me and said that there was this position and that it looked like I might be a good fit for it. And long story short, I got this amazing, amazing position. And it was way better than the position that I initially come over there for. I had all this freedom. The money was better. I could use the skills that I had. And the environment was really, really, really cool company was called Olson and Associates and it was led by an Oxford educated economist and lawyer called Richard Olson who was what I now know to be a visionary leader. Back then I didn't have the language for it but that became a very formative time for me and I explained this already to Slade when he interviewed me for his podcast But it gave me the opportunity to merge my intuitive gifts and all the 
different things that I could do in a smaller environment and really shine and bring different things to the table that I hadn't before. Because oftentimes in a large organization, all of your skills, well, you don't have the opportunity to bring them to the table. You know, you can you do certain things, but they have so many people and people can specialize. So in a smaller company, a smaller privately funded company, I had responsibilities that crossed over into different areas. And it just turned out to be so much better for me. And like I said, it was uh, the merging of my spiritual life and my work life because we were studying um, financial markets and applying uh, concepts such as fractal theory, intrinsic time, which is something I described before. It's a sort of felt time. And to me, these are looking at reality on more of a spiritual basis. What we were doing is developing predictive technology for financial markets was predicting the future essentially and using modeling to maximize opportunity uh, for our clients and to mitigate risk. And there are so many things I could say about my time there, but it was really wonderful. And I was able to do what I do and share the opinions that I, well, not, it's not just opinions. I get information and a lot of times it doesn't make sense how I get this information, but I pick it up, um, because I'm an intuitive and I always have been. I have always been the person that, well, from childhood could see things that others couldn't, had contact with the invisible world in terms of hearing things that weren't there or knowing things that I shouldn't know or different experiences. And maybe I'll one day talk about some of those experiences particular in another episode. But I think what I'm really doing here is I'm trying to say that I, as somebody that helps people on their path, I was in the position where I didn't know how to merge all that and be in the corporate environment. My intention here with this episode is to reach out to you, whoever you might be, in an environment where you don't feel like you are bringing all of yourself to the table or that you are hiding part of yourself, maybe even the intuitive part or the part that is aware of things outside of the norm and to let you know that I've been there and that you can change, you can change a change. You can change, but circumstances can change. And I understand what it is to feel alone. There are those of you that have been really successful in corporate careers. Those that have been really successful outside of corporate careers and been in some profession. And yet you feel, despite everybody else telling you like, Hey, You've got it made in the shade, you know, um, and you know, there's tons of opportunities at hand for you. And this may really be the case. 
there's something inside you that's saying this is not quite it that you don't necessarily have to you know go jumping out of whatever you, you find yourself in that there is a way to explore that and to give it breathing room that you don't need to betray yourself and you don't need to conform <laughs> you can be yourself <laughs> you can find ways to express yourself you can find ways to leverage your knowledge you can find ways to share the things that you pick up that other people might not see and you don't have to come across as some sort of new age flake <laughs> not to say that new age people are flaky some are and there are a lot of people that aren't that are spiritually conscious and are serious or fun and grounded at the same time and i am really privileged to call many of those types of people friends there is a way of coming out of the closet for you whatever that means there is this process where the more willing you are to be seen for who you are the more you are able to hold the belief in your heart that what you have to share is valuable that you are assisting the universe and helping yourself in creating something new and of course if you know things the climate is different way 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 different now than it was back when I was in this position because the internet was only in its very early stages and so it wasn't really easy to connect with people that were like-minded or like-hearted or like-spirited as it is now I mean there are groups for everything out there and and so it's you know it's we're fortunate that we have the ability to connect with others outside of the bubble that we're in that said there can also be this pressure of well if i if i do something different if i change what i'm doing that i'm somehow going to be irresponsible i'm not going to be able to take care of my family or i'm not going to be able to pay my bills you can't let that fear keep you where you are if you know there's something else you're meant to do but also there is the option to stay where you are and do something else you don't have to jump ship sometimes you just need to allow yourself give yourself the permission to and commit commit to sharing who you are sometimes that environment will then allow you the opportunity to express that and otherwise you'll be shown that that clearly is not the case and that maybe you're getting closer to a decision point about leaving and maybe at that point you'll start to pursue whatever else it is that you're interested in and on the side and knowing that you are building something new and that at the same time you are being responsible paying your bills and allowing yourself the security that might be needed to make a change. I didn't really know what I was going to talk about today. 
but I hope this impacts those of you that needed to hear it. As I said, it's the first time for me to stand up here by myself or sit in front of the microphone by myself for a whole episode talking to you, but not talking to anybody else. (laughs) I just had to go with it because I, like I said, had a series of guests that I was really inspired to talk to and they were all wonderful. But it was like people kept coming across my radar that I wanted to talk to and so I just went with the flow. And this week I didn't have anybody on the books. And so my desire was not to just do this to create content, just to make sure that I've got some regular a, a podcast every week to to grow my audience, blah, 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 whatever all that marketing stuff is. But I realized that if somebody else wasn't showing up, uh, what did that what what might that suggest? And I also knew that it's important for me to share what I know. And I don't always have the opportunity to do that as the interviewer. It's a different thing. And this, to be honest with you, is kind of a, it's, it's awkward. (laughs) I feel vulnerable. I will probably go back and edit a whole bunch of this out and that's okay too. And it's not comfortable and I know I need to do it. So what comes to mind is what Frank said about following what feels good and doing that. And, you know, and from there doing what feels good. And, and if something doesn't feel good, like a hundred percent, then do the thing that feels less awful. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, would not say this felt like a less awful option today. This felt like something I needed to do. And while I had some resistance for sure, it took me a while to get into the studio today. It's like, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon now. And I filled my schedule with other stuff, of course. And then I got willing to just come down here, turn on the computer and blab. (laughs) Just blab. (laughs) I hope some of this blabbing has been useful to you in some way. I had the idea to call this episode coming out of the closet and maybe this is part of my coming out of the closet. Hmm. I do play and dance in different worlds. Um, not all of my friends are people that are into all this spiritual stuff (laughs) and might even think I'm crazy, whatever. Um, And I have to say, you know, times in the past, I was really afraid to share what I, what I know and to out myself as an intuitive. I wasn't so afraid to share what I saw, but I don't think, uh, well, people are not resistant to that. I mean, you can say you're picking up this or that or whatever, and they can either take it or leave it. And that's all fine. But It's different when you actually say, you know what, this, I do this, I access information 
that, well, it's not coming from my mind. It's coming from somewhere else. And not only that, I can, I have this ability to um, access things I have absolutely no idea about, like, like Frank talked about when he talked about what channeling is like and not really understanding even well, no, not remembering what he said and I have no idea what I said, that sort of thing. Uh, what that is to me, uh, something I'm familiar with is because I get insight when I need it. And oftentimes I, I have no idea where that's coming from, but I know that the more open I am to it and when I'm clear and true in service to the other person, that it is of huge benefit to them. And I'm really grateful for that. And I know it's not me. It's, it's coming through me. And that's a gift that I don't want to deny. And I have to say for a lot of years, my fear of rejection made me deny its full expression. And I don't think I'm really at the, oh yeah, I'm into the whole full expression thing now. I think this is a baby step. Today, I invited a whole bunch of people on my friends list. And I've got like 800 or 900 friends or something like that. And I'd say maybe a third of those people are into spirituality. And I have a feeling there's probably other ones that are and that I have no idea about. But I know this, that if I don't invite them and they don't check it out. Well, well, they might not check it out and that's okay too. I mean, I invite them and they might read some of the episode descriptions or the show description and not be interested. And that's okay. That I'm okay with letting them know that this is who I am. If they are aligned with that, that's fine. If they connect with me just because I am an ultra runner, that's fine. And I don't need to hide any of that. Now, mind you, what does that mean? I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to start having, you know, conversations about, I don't know, some uh, ghostly experience that I had, or I don't know, anything that's, that's is more sort of alluding to the invisible world and my experience thereof with whoever I'm out with on the trail. Some people might be into it. Some people might think it's completely crazy. Some might be like, I would think they're, they think that I'm completely crazy. And at the same time, they're like, it's opening something for them. And I have seen that too. I've seen people that I didn't even know were interested in this. Tell me, yeah, you know, I, I am. And, and I'm listening to your podcast and that's gratifying to me. Uh, it makes me feel good. It, you know, I work as a producer too. And the fellow that I've done a lot of work with over the past decade or so, we had this big project together a number of years ago. Well, a handful of years ago. And we were flying down to, uh, to Florida for, for, this, for this video that we were working on together. And I told him, hey, you know, I'm an intuitive. And <laughs> I don't know what possessed me to tell him that, but... He was curious, he was interested, and well, maybe he's going to listen to this episode. I don't know, but I just have to say, I am glad that I was able to say something like that about myself and that he accepted it about me and I accepted it about myself. And even though 
I know that it, the, those gifts come into the fray in any work that I'm doing, whether it be in a corporate environment, whether it be working on a video, scheduling people, interviewing people for something that's not my own project, that who I am comes into it all the time. And there is no separation. But there is also an opportunity to not be afraid, especially when you feel that you might be rejected if somebody knew something about you. And if they reject you, then, well, that might hurt a bit. But what it means is they always rejected you in the first place and that you were just delaying that. And I do believe that, you know, we only have so much bandwidth in our lives. Some people are better at maintaining energy and, and relationships with lots and lots of people at once. I'm one of those kinds of people that has a few really, really quality relationships. And in those relationships, it's important for me to be transparent and to share as much of myself as I can. And... I hope that that inspires you in some way because it is true that when we hold ourselves back because we're afraid that whomever, whether it be an employer or uh, a client or a friend or a family member is going to turn away from us then what we're really doing is turning away from ourselves. And so I invite you to ask yourself, where am I hesitating in being me? How does that make me feel? And is there a way of expressing myself that would serve the relationship? Not only the relationship, but my own feeling about myself within the relationship. My last episode with Bobby Nicole Cote, that was really eye-opening for me too. And I'm told that the best work is done when there is something that we are going to gain for ourselves when we do it in terms of we are looking to serve a market or an audience by inspiring with somebody's story. But I know that every time I talk to somebody on here, it's serving me too. And I also know that the more I am who I am with you, the more I can share with you. And some of you will dig that. And some of you will be like, well, it's not for me, you know, and that's okay. I know that for myself, and for you, that finding ways to communicate what's important to us is important and it creates connection. So I think that's all I got to say for today. This has been a long one and I have no idea how long it is. I don't know how much of it I'm going to use, <laughs> but I'll re-listen to it and hopefully there'll be something in here I can use. I just want to commend you on your courage for even if you feel like you're not really taking the road less traveled well you're 
curious about the road less traveled, I commend you for your courage to consider the road less traveled because considering it is where you start and then you take a step and then you take another step. And while some of us may be really, really good in seeing really far in advance and seeing where we're going and then getting there and achieving that goal and reaching that summit and we did it and yay us. I think I was that person at some point, maybe not. <laughs> I, like I said, I have had my humbling experiences along the way. So, but at the same time, I have created some pretty cool opportunities for myself, uh, which maybe I'll talk about more someday. And I know that those cool opportunities are at hand for you too. And the more you're able to let go of what that might be specifically, the more you open yourself up to something bigger than what you imagined. For example, my position in Switzerland, that was definitely one of those things. And I'm not saying that we have to suffer in order to get to that place. In my case, I did. And that also brings to mind the conversation with Frank where he was talking about uh, S, I guess, <laughs> and this client that he had who had a process whereby it, it provoked a crisis. And after it provoked the crisis, the students would understand the process. So essentially, the transformation would happen once they had their crisis, got out all that resistance, and then something just clicked. That can happen. I know it's happened to me. And I'm still asking the question about how to let go of resistance. And my dear friend Sharon Crawford reflected to me recently, it's not about letting go of resistance so much as getting into alignment for what you wish to create. That makes sense. Why focus on the resistance? I mean, I know I feel it. I'm not going to deny it's there. But why put my thoughts there on how can I change them? Well, because you know what? That's controlling. And it's trying to fucking manipulate the universe, just like Frank said. How can I overcome this resistance? Well, I just, you know, the, just surrender, surrender. And if that feels like impossible, then what? Is there? If then? Mm-mm. Nope. We already know there isn't. If only I could overcome this resistance, then I would have what I want. That sounds like another if then to me. So I'm acknowledging I feel resistance. And I see progress. I see cases whereby I'm able to let go of resistance. And things fall into place. And I feel fear. And I feel it. And I don't judge it. And I don't try to sentence myself until like, what the hell is wrong with me? I'm always going to be broken, blah, 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 blah. I just feel it. And I have hope and faith that everything is always working out. And I focus on the blessings in my life when my mind would take me into the what I don't have and what I, what I really, 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 really want that hasn't happened. <laughs> I know that it, the grass is always greener, right? You know, that I, there are some huge blessings in my life and other people would see that as the thing that they really, 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 really want that they're not getting. And maybe if I didn't have it, I'd be in that same position. So <laughs> it is about that. It's about being grateful 
not only for what you have, for what you create, for the people around you, for your family, for the opportunities that you have, even for those things that you wanted, but being grateful for yourself and your own desire to grow, to contribute, and to express yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leader's Call to Adventure. Sometimes it's like total dead air out there. I know people are listening. Sometimes I get comments back. Sometimes I don't. And sometimes like, I, hey, I really want to hear from you guys. And I hear nothing. And probably in my really, 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 really wanting to hear from you is that's what's creating the <laughs> nobody's saying anything. <laughs> I get it. But I want to be clear here. I want to hear from you guys. So if you feel like reaching out, get in touch. And if any of this really struck a chord for you and you are interested in working with me, let me know. I've got some uh, package deals that I'm doing right now for people that I've offered to clients that have worked with me in the past. But um, if you if it resonates for you, uh, I'd be happy to discuss that with you as well. If, if you're here, if you're a new client or you're somebody that's that knows me and maybe hasn't worked with me before. Reach out. I'm here. For show notes, go to www.leaderscalltoadventure.com forward slash 15. That's one five, number 15. And until next time, here's to great adventure.